Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's your week going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going good. I'm uh, taking a break from work, and I've been playing a copious amount of video games. Oh, fuck um, yeah, what are you playing? I've been playing the... Okay, so this is going to be, you know, nerdy. This is because I'm a hashtag fake gamer boy. Oh, sure. I'm playing Fire Emblem Heroes, which is the mobile version of Nintendo's Fire Emblem. And it mm-hmm. is, like, weirdly fucky. Like, all of the characters <laughs> are, like, fuck me waifu types. And okay. I feel... I feel really weird playing it, but I'm also really into playing it. Uh huh. Have you ever played Fire Emblem? No, I. Uh, many of the people I know uh, play Fire Emblem. Um, it's. I was not aware that it was fucky as games go. See, this is the thing: is it's not normally. It's a tactical RPG, but this mobile app is fucky. <laughs> Holy shit. Honestly, I feel like mobile apps generally, uh, I, um, a couple of years ago, I definitely played the shit out of some Kim Kardashian Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> and Didn't there's, we all? Oh, I think we, yeah, I think there, there were like, this was, uh, during a period in which it was like that game and Neko Atsume, where it's yeah. either me engaging in feuds with other Instagram influencers or, uh, getting yelled at by cats. Um, and this is, which really is, is also my daily life anyway, is getting yelled at by cats. So I, you know what it's like? It's like when I was working construction and also playing Harvest Moon when I was off the clock. And then I got to a point where I was just like, <laughs> I can't dig any more fucking ditches in this game. Cause I, this is what I do all day. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, um, when my wife was a sex ed teacher and watched teen mm-hmm. pregnancy, uh, watched, um, teen mom when she got home from work. Oh, yeah, and no, I'm like, that's why do you want to do that? <laughs> that's too much. That's yeah. I honestly I so the 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 ghoul shit that I've been uh consuming this week, um we this isn't even ghoul shit. Do you, do you know what I've been doing for the last week mostly? Um watching doing, the Ryan? new season watching the new season of RuPaul's Drag Race. And now it there are too many fucking queens this season. Like it started out and it was like the beginning of The Hobbit, where the dwarves start coming to Bilbo's Hobbit hole in pairs, and just an, a, a never-ending sequence of them. Uh, yeah, it, like here's the fucky one, and here's yeah, the one that yeah. smokes. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and and they're uh, so they're getting winnowed out. Uh, I've I've realized like this is. I, what I really want to do is uh, I pitched uh, to the outline um, about maybe writing a piece uh, about chronic pain in drag and also in pro wrestling, because there's a there's a queen uh, this season who has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and it makes them really, like, uh, uh, her name is Evie Oddly, and uh, she's, she's my favorite queen, and she, um, Ehlers-Danlos makes it so that they can be really flexible and do these really crazy... Uh, moves, but also the problem is that like it's it's a disorder where your body doesn't make enough collagen, and so they will just occasionally sprain the shit out of their ankle or like dislocate something, and Ugh. and so it takes a toll on them. And I'm realizing like while watching this, like dude, this is literally just pro wrestling. Is like you know you don't really have uh, insurance as a drag queen, like yeah. there's yeah or or as a pro wrestler like. And your body is literally the bargaining chip you have under the parameters of capitalism. Um, 
so yeah, I and really pro wrestling and drag are both basically the same thing where it's just like outsized uh, expressions expressions of gender and you're playing a character and it's just there's way too much makeup and a lot of glitter um and i i feel like there's a reason like there's a huge overlap for me between drag and pro wrestling yeah i i've not thought about it but it totally makes sense now that you're articulating it yeah and and that's not even getting into like exoticos like uh pimpinella escarlata uh, yeah, like apparently in Mexico, like there's like a huge subculture of like drag queens and pro wrestling. So I don't know. Uh, that's that's most of what I've been doing. And then also uh, I uh, we went. to So a buddy of mine is in town and we went to uh, the Ripped Bodice together because like my friend had never been there. And I feel like whenever anybody comes to my neck of the woods, you've got to go to the Ripped Bodice, which is uh, one of the only I think it's the only bookstore in the world that only sells romance novels. Yeah, like it, I think yeah. you might be right. I'm sure there's and, another one, but that's the one that comes to mind. Yeah, so I've I've been reading a book called A Glutton for Pleasure that I got from there, which, honestly, this is, the last book I got there was called Hot and Badgered, and it's uh, a weird badger fuck novel, and it was kind of disappointing. Like, I, eh, I don't know. All right, this is my question also. Has anybody ever actually read a Chuck Tingle novel? I don't think so. I can't imagine have they? they have. I mean, I've, I, I've, I've read, like, excerpts from it. It's not good, but also we all want Chuck Tingle to be able to do this forever. Yeah, so you just, like, indulge Chuck Tingle to do his thing. Exactly. So, let me ask you, speaking of fucky books, should mm-hmm. I, Quincy, read Thornchapel? You should definitely read A Lesson in Thorns by Sierra Simone. It, so the Thorn Chapel books, uh, it, it's incredible, but it's also apparently uh, there is a difference between uh, erotica and romance, and apparently Sierra Simone is like the heavy hitter for erotica. Um, honestly, A Lesson in Thorns is extremely good, but not, not even just because of um, it's a really good book. There are some truly steamy descriptions of library science because apparently Sierra Simone, <laughs> uh, Sierra Simone used to work as a librarian, and so there's a lot of like, all right, now I'm going to tell you about how to digitize a collection, and it like details the process. And I don't like I, I kind of love it when there's a thing like that because it's like finding uh, something at the bottom of a Cracker Jack box where you're like, listen, I was down for the weird uh, secret garden, but with fucking aspect. Uh, I was not prepared for the library science. So yeah, come for the weird erotic secret garden fic. Uh, stay for the digitizing of libraries. See, that's great because right now I'm reading um, Chip Delaney's uh, Neverion series, Ooh, and that how is, is that? it's very fucky, but also <laughs> has treaties on language and semiotics. <laughs> <laughs> See, this kind of makes me think of the show Lex. I think we've talked before about how that was like a weirdly yes. formative show growing up. It was very formative. Hey, hey, Ryan, that spaceship, did you know it's a penis? <laughs> I think that's actually the name of the ship is This Ship is a Dick. And it's, <laughs> man, it is powerfully early 2000s, which also, uh, which by the way, actually, oh, here we go. Here's a, here's a, a segue. Speaking of passionately early 2000s, uh, let's, all right, so one of the movies we're doing for this week is uh, I think it was one of John Carpenter's last movies he has done. Yes, I believe it's this and The Ward. Right, The Ward. I still haven't seen The Ward. Have you seen The Ward? 
I have not seen The Ward, and I don't know if I want to after watching Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. So holy shit! So Ghosts of Mars from 2000- so listen. Uh, mm-hmm. First off, we have to thank um, Mill Creek Entertainment for sending us the brand new uh, Ghosts of Mars Blu-ray. I <laughs> believe this might be the first time it's ever been on Blu-ray. Probably the first time it should be on Blu-ray. I feel like it should have gone through a period of, like, penance before getting that Blu-ray release. Although, here's the thing. All right. Before we get into the movie, I have to admit, I kind of love this piece of shit. It's kind of a great piece of shit. It's a piece of shit, but it's a good piece of shit. Yeah, this is, this is, I feel like it's from an era where uh, this is very much like a straight-to-video, or not even straight-to-video, but like a, a movie that bombs at the box office that you pick up when, you know, you're sort of like, well, there's nothing else going on, so let's rent fucking Ghosts of Mars. Um, so right off top, let's get um, let's get into the movie. The movie is a mashup, I think, of John, uh, John Carpenter movies. Um, yeah, it's like everything that works at a John Carpenter movie, but not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's, uh, so it's basically the thing because it's like a, a hibernating, uh, entity in space that is going to come alive and fuck shit up. It's kind of escaped from New York uh, because there's like huge armies of goons that want to like kill you and you got to escape from them. It's kind of assault on precinct 13 because you've got like prisoners teaming up with cops. And then also it's kind of like in the mouth of madness by Carpenter because you've got like these sort of weird reavers like doing Cenobite self mutilation stuff. Um, Yeah. and then it veers hard into 2001 where everyone is wearing leather dusters and everyone's uh, shotguns and machine guns are the brightest uh, chrome a la uh, Marilyn Manson's teeth. <laughs> yeah. Basically yeah. everything looks like Marilyn Manson's teeth in this movie. And everything sounds like Marilyn Manson's teeth as well. The sound, all right. So the soundtrack for this movie uh, was done by a bunch of metal guys. You've got fucking Steve Vai doing the title track along with Buckethead. Um, now, I, I've wait, got a theory. Wait, I'm sorry. Title track. The the song on the soundtrack is called John Carpenter's yes. Ghosts of Mars. It is called Ghosts of Mars. Um, all right, so I've got a theory about Ghosts of Mars. This movie is like a backdoor pilot for a Doom movie, right? Because you've, you've yeah. got... It's, it's in space... Uh, and you've got sort of like roughneck sort of like, we're cops, but in space. And you've got like demons at this like moon base, basically, because it's on Mars. Like, and then the soundtrack basically, uh, Quincy, did you did you ever play the OG Doom? Yes. I, you also have to remember I was your roommate in college. Oh, so. yes, yes. I have played probably <laughs> thousands of hours of, of Doom. Uh, the first ev- the first level of Doom has this, like, MIDI heavy metal thing, like, and it's basically that, but for the, the whole soundtrack. So, would you believe, dear listener, this movie has motherfucking Pam Greer in it? Pam Greer as the head leather cop for the <laughs> space leather. It also stars uh, Natasha Hinstridge, who I did not realize until I listened to... Okay, so I try to vet these these review copies for you all, dear listeners. <laughs> and I listened to the audio commentary, which was um, John Carpenter and Natasha Hinstridge. And I only oh, got wow. like two minutes into it because the only revelatory thing was 
Hinstridge said, well, you know, I tied my hair back because my character is tough, and Dawn wanted my hair down, but I said, no, it's more right for the character to have a ponytail because she's a no-nonsense action kind of girl. Man, honestly, like, John Carpenter on the the audio commentary for Ghosts of Mars, I'm surprised that it's not just, like, I picture the audio commentary largely sounding like when I play Friday the 13th online and everybody on mic, it's just a series of bong rips. And it's <laughs> just you hear like because John Carpenter, that's that's what he does now. And God bless him for it. He gets blazed and plays video games because here's the thing. He won. Right. Like he's he's John Carpenter. That's what he does now. And that's what he should do is just get fucking baked and and play video games. Um, but like the, the experience of making Ghosts of Mars apparently is what put him off of filmmaking forever. Like this is the thing that. It got him out of the game, you know. Like I and, and so I think why is it is it that this was not his like ideal project, or was it just like he was like I'm out of ideas, or or what was it that made him quit? I think it was just such a shitty experience making it. Where like you know maybe uh, because and, and this is a guy who again like so uh, on our list you know the thing is I think our number two movie. Um, of all time so far and after he made the thing and it came out the same year as et and it tanked at the box office and nobody liked it at the time and can you imagine having made the thing and everybody shits on it and like i feel like that's the thing that would put me off of filmmaking yeah yeah if i made a stone cold classic and everybody shit on it um which is very different from ghosts of mars so uh so off top uh the the plot of this movie if uh, in so much as there is a plot. Um, so Mars, which has been around as a colony for like decades, is a matriarchal society, which totally comes through in the movie. Um, it, I, it tells you. Sure. That's not the first time <laughs> I've ever heard of that. Yeah. And it tells you over the, the opening crawl, like also it's a matriarchal society. Also, um, space belongs to the gays, which this was always going to happen. That's just true. Where it, it's sort of like everybody on Mars is gay, and so apparently uh, Natasha Henstridge and Jason Statham, who is there, um, they're like one of the only straights on Mars. Like, you know. everybody is a lady and everybody's gay uh, in space. And so the problem is that it uh, it's going for a thing that it doesn't really uh, accomplish, which is you get a bit where... Um, Ice Cube. All right, so Ice Cube plays a character who apparently in the original script, this Quincy, did you did you know this was originally meant to be an Escape from New York sequel, but on Mars? It, it makes so much more sense if you look at it like that. Yeah, because Ice Cube's character, Desolation Williams, which his name <laughs> is Desolation Williams. Uh, that's that's not a name. That's your name. That's you asking your friends to call you Desolation and them calling you a dick for demanding to be called Desolation Williams. And apparently Desolation Williams is just an XP for Snake Plissken. You know. Like, this is this was supposed to be Snake Plissken, but in space. But apparently after Escape from L.A. got made and fucking sucked, and nobody wanted... Like, the studio didn't want another Escape from New York sequel, so they were like, good Desolation Williams. Uh, and so Ice Cube plays this prisoner who's like, bah, he's a pretty tough guy, but the moon is haunted. Basically, the, the idea, I, I like the idea of Ghosts of Mars that, like, there are just 
alien ghosts that will possess you. Yeah, that and like they they try to science it up and say like it's actually like water bears. They're tardigrades that are frozen, <laughs> and once they get inside your bloodstream, you turn into a Martian. Uh, but it's ghosts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't need. Here's the thing: if I'm watching Taste the Blood of Dracula and somebody drinks some Dracula blood and turns into Dracula, I don't need a PowerPoint presentation about the science of turning into Dracula. Like, if there are ghosts on Mars, I promise you I am already well down for this pr uh, premise. Yeah, you just, they're, they're ghosts on Mars. That's all you need That's, from it. Honestly. How many, how much dialogue in this movie do you think Ice Cube ad-libbed, and how much of it was planned? Oh... <sighs> I'm going to say all of it was planned and all of it is exhausting. Ice Cube is half asleep. <laughs> so bad. He, Ice Cube does not want to be here. Like, he took this job because he's a big fan of John Carpenter because he's ever watched a movie. So, of course, he likes John <laughs> Carpenter. Uh, and uh, as Je Desolation Williams, he's just, everything he says. All right, so with the Matriarchal Society, there's a bit in this where Natasha Henstridge, who also has the personal charisma of a sponge... Uh, and she's kind of talking to Ice Cube and there's like a, they're having like a, a, a conversation reminiscent of like The Wire where he's like, it's all in the game where she's like, bah, but I'm a cop and you're a prisoner. And he's like, yeah, but you know, the, the only difference between you and me is that you have the woman behind your shit. We get it like the man, but matriarchal. Nice, John yeah, Carpenter. Yeah. Um, holy fuck, Statham in this movie. He is basically Kano from Mortal Kombat. I also like that the other tough, because basically what happens is the cops are trying to figure out why the entire crew of this um, colony is dead, and mm -hmm. the only people left are the criminals, so clearly they did it, but no, it's ghosts, Blah. but like... One of the Tufts does a Jason Statham impersonation to Jason Statham's face. Oh, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he sounds like he should be somewhere bungling the kidnapping of some, some Dalmatian puppies, where he's just like, oh, we're on Mars, yeah? Like, he's just, it's the most uncomfortable. Like, he is peak Statham in this role, I think. Like, he has never been more Statham. And there's a bit where he and Natasha Henstridge, like, John Carpenter is trying to do them hot bents, and it just does not work. We're like, we're, there's a bit where he's like, Oh, love, we're the only strike people on Mars. We should be fucking. And Natasha Hensridge says, Maybe if you were the last man on Earth. But we're not on Earth. Turn down for... <laughs> and it's... it's Yeah, it's... Yeah. Boy, it's it's, it's excruciating. Um, you know what the one thing this movie is missing? <laughs> What's up? Is the first person... POV shot from the rail of the assault rifle. Oh, like, man. Oh, you mean the one good scene in Doom? Yeah, so basically it's it was ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, and also deeply behind its time. The screen wipes in this goddamn motion picture are completely insane. Like, you'll get these flashbacks to before the Mars time with the zombies and the revenants and shit, where he's like, Ice Cube is like, yeah, I was in transit on a planet. And it, like, does an, an honest-to-Christ screen wipe. Um, now, you do get a scene of Ice Cube running out uh, into a field, waving automatic machine guns on either side of him, just spraying wildly in every direction, which is just outstanding. Yeah, and, and I was wondering, 
what would that hit? And then I realized, oh, it doesn't matter because this is Ghosts on Mars. <laughs> yeah, like he's and the 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 machine gun effects of like the muzzle flashes, it just deeply Everybody involved with this movie is just tired, and it has the color palette of rust, and the the effects. Literally, are it's it's red. That's yeah. the only, and the the point of view of the ghosts is red. Yeah, because and, Mars. Yeah, and you've you've got a bit where like it, there, there's another bit that doesn't totally translate, which is like, uh, Pam Greer's um, like you said, head leather cop. Uh, where there's a sort of, you know, if you want to advance in the military, you've got to fuck your superior. And, like, there's a bit where Pam Greer is, like, sexually harassing Natasha Henstridge. And it's like, no, sorry. Like, I know that you're like, wouldn't it be fucked up if sexual harassment but a woman doing it? And it's like, first of all, that does happen in the year of our Lord uh, 2019. Second of all, can we fucking not, like... I get that you're going for a sort of what if matriarchy on the moon, but it, it is just extremely bad. Um, we also get a very exhausting uh, scene between Natasha Hensridge and Ice Cube where they're like, man, what do, you, what do you believe? And he's like, I don't believe in anything. And it's like, you are already half asleep for this role. This doesn't work, having an introspective scene. Yeah, yeah. And the like, oh, I can't believe that you're a, co- a crook with a heart of gold, but you've double-crossed me again. Oh, shucks. It's just... Okay, so I think we've shit on this movie enough, but here's <laughs> a very important question. Uh-huh. Would you rather watch this John Carpenter movie or The Fog again? I'll tell you what I would rather watch, and it's uh, Ghosts of Mars any day of the week and twice on Sundays. <laughs> because, like, The Fog is just boring as shit. And nothing happens. Ghosts of Mars, so much happens, and it's all yeah. bad. And I, I love it. And also because it uh, is so two thousand one in a way I don't totally know how. How do we define the two thousand early two thousandsness of Ghost of Mars? So, um, dear friend of the show, non-playable Carl on Twitter said, "Well, how many chin straps and frosted tips are in this movie?" And it's a it's a non-zero number. <laughs> yeah, there are because... Martian ghosts with chin straps. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the lead singer of Disturbed is in this movie. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. You've got Dave uh, Dave Draymond up in the mix with his fucking labray piercing, uh, <laughs> just wandering around on Mars. It can we? Yeah. Can we stop and talk about the lead singer for Disturbed for a minute? We sure can. There's all right. So he's so fucking salty that Down with the Sickness is the only song that anyone gives a shit about. Um, I'm I just cannot forget the interview I saw on MTV Two in the 2000s where he's like, every time I'm in the airport, people make me do the whack a whack sound, and I hate it. <laughs> Here's the thing: if you don't want to be known as the guy going oh, then don't fucking be the lead singer of the band disturbed like that's this is first of all there's that second of all there's all right there's a phenomenon i can't figure out and maybe you can help me understand because you're a dad but i know you don't speak for all dads why does everybody's dad love the disturbed cover of sound of silence so much i wish i knew because it is a bad cover it's extremely bad because you've got you know the original which is very introspective and very soft and very sort of 
you know, and then you've got Dave Draymond screaming at the top of his goddamn lungs about the sound of silence. And it's like, what if we took what like just the worst possible take on this song? And then everybody's dad is like, yeah, I like it because now it's like Simon and Garfunkel, but not for pussies. Yeah, but like <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel's great because it is for pussies. Yeah, I be- I'm a huge pussy and I want to listen to a song that's like soft guitar and harmony and maybe not a guy with a labret piercing spittling on my face. I mean, I, I, I deeply respond to I'm in my room all alone with my book of poetry where no one can say mean things to me. <laughs> Yeah, the guy from Disturbed will 100% say mean things to you. Yeah, he'll make fun of me for reading Robert Frost and Emily Dickinson, and that's not my jam. No, no, that's, yeah, Simon and Garfunkel, the most they'll do is not talk to each other and be in a snit, and that's fine. That's that's what they do. Yeah. Um, anyway, so 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 fuck that cover. Um, so The Fog is currently sitting at two, 251. Uh, that movie fucking sucks and i hate it. <laughs> i hate the fog because it's bad and because nothing happens and because there are ghost pirates these are both ghost movies one about one of them is about ghost pirates and the other one is about ghost aliens and at least and, the ghost aliens like fucking fight yeah they do some fucking ghost alien shit like you get you you get those moments where with the fog it's just really Honestly, the only thing that The Fog has going for it is just John Carpenter, He's... like, whispering the word atmosphere, and that's it. <laughs> and Adrian Barbeau sitting in a radio station. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel comfortable putting it above that. I think another movie I am comfortable putting uh, Ghosts of Mars. Uh, all right. Actually, all right, here we go. Here's my question for you. Which is a better movie, House of a Thousand Corpses by Rob Zombie or Ghosts of Mars by John Carpenter? Oh, man. They are both so much of their time yeah because house of a thousand corpses is at 218 i cannot even believe that came out after this i want to say house of a thousand corpses is 2003 and and this movie is 2001 so what's wild is we don't have resident evil on our list which is like my textbook 2000s horror movie with you know the the key song being by Slipknot. Yeah, m- My Plague by Slipknot, which features Resident Evil in the video, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's just a clip show of the movie to get people <laughs> excited about going to the... It's it's a sizzle reel set to a song from Iowa by Slipknot. Um, yeah, that, you know what? That is... A, that, you're, I think you're right. I think that's the gold standard for early 2000s horror. I would say this is better and only because... Above House of a Thousand Corpses is House of Wax. Yeah, I would agree. And also because I think the title track from that is better than the title track for the song House of a Thousand Corpses by Rob Zombie. (laughs) Now, House of Wax is at 204. Uh Uh-huh. That would put it above an episode of Steven Universe. That would. Also, I'd like to point out there are uh, four movies on our list that have House of... Uh, in the title currently we have house of a thousand corpses house of usher hammer house of horror season one episode seven silent scream and house of wax at 2005 uh, at uh, t- uh, 204 we're actually gonna have to scale that okay okay so mm-hmm. return of the living dead three at 209 actively Ugh. enrages me yeah it sucks and this movie is like am i just like 
have I acquiesced? Do I not care anymore? Am I just so busy playing Fire Emblem with its fucky titty swordsman, swordswoman that like I I am not paying attention to these movies? What is it? Why do I not oh, man. get angry with this movie? Or is it that by gum they they did their best and this is all they they did? You know what it is though. I I I, th- I, I I'm I'm right there with you, and I think I know why I kind of like uh, Ghosts of Mars, and it's because. Uh, it's it's kind of like when uh, I made uh, Sarah Gailey watch the movie Tombstone, and <laughs> we, we've 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 now uh, developed a shorthand for like if I'm saying oh man we gotta watch this movie, the the standard question is is it good or is it Tombstone good? Where it's like this is an interesting movie that does a specific thing that I think is worthwhile to talk about, but it is not a good movie. Um, and I feel like uh, Ghosts of Mars is not a good movie, but it is interesting when you talk about sort of uh, failures from great directors and movies that are extremely of their time and relics featuring rappers in lead roles. Yeah. So above House of Wax is Ghoulies, and I wonder if this movie is uh, better or worse than Ghoulies. So what we're asking is Toilet Monsters or Moon Ghosts? Toilet monsters. Yeah, yeah, definitely toilet monsters. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, and also, you know, Blackie Lawless from Wasp doing, uh, who did songs for Ghoulies. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's better than um, the bands that were on the soundtrack for uh, Ghosts of Mars. So I actually feel pretty good putting that below Ghoulies. So what if, what about right below Ghoulies and right above Night of the Comet? Yeah, yeah, that checks out. Where it's just like these are, and and it's also good because Night of the Comet, also alien, uh, alien monsters, and uh, yeah, so I feel really good about that. So coming in at our new number two hundred and three, above Night of the Comet and below Ghoulies is John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. All right. So the next movie we're going to talk about is a movie that in German was called Mosquito. That is 1977's Bloodlust. Yeah. This movie is extremely German. It's very German. So uh, it might not be a surprise that this is a new release from Mondo Macabro, the uh, masters of, hey, I found this weird European movie, and now we're going to put it on (laughs) Blu-ray. So thank you, Mondo Macabro, for sending us a Blu-ray screener. So this is a true crime film. No shit. So this is based on actual events? Based on the Nuremberg vampire who literally drank blood and defiled corpses. And the thing that really stuck in Emily's craw, because I made my wife watch this with me, (laughs) is she's like, embalming pulls the blood out, so you can't drink blood with a glass straw if there's no blood in the body. (laughs) This is the kind of observ. I I only want Emily's observations on these things. Like like this is she has the best perspective. Like anytime that she watches a thing like this, and she just that's the kind of stuff Emily points out, and it's the greatest. Ryan, he makes bespoke glass straws to drink blood out of. See, this actually uh, the so the Nurem- the Nuremberg vampire being real. This is now there is a non-zero number of uh fill in the blank uh geographical location vampires. Are you familiar with the Sacramento vampire? 
Is that like the Scranton Strangler? <laughs> it's kind of like the Scranton Strangler, but um, I, 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 an evil was put upon me reading about this case that I will now put upon you and all of our listeners. The, uh, the Vampire of Sacramento is the reason I lock my door. Um, he, the Vampire of Sacramento was a guy who was active uh, in Sacramento, which also California is just where the murder happens. Like, we are super, it's our main export is murder. Uh, and the Sacramento Vampire was a, uh, a guy who would um, go door to door, um, and if the door was unlocked, he would say to himself, oh, I'm invited in, because they didn't lock their door. If the door was locked, he would just jiggle the handle, and if it was locked, he would just move on to the next house. But if the door was unlocked, that's when he was like, oh, okay, so I get to go in and do whatever now. Um, so, yeah, lock your doors, folks. So... One of my biggest complaints about Bloodlust is um, the first flashback that the uh, the nameless character has, the vampire has, mm-hmm. is of his sister being molested. And it looks too real. Yeah, get out of here with that. Like, I don't, I you know, I get that you're weird and European. I don't need to see either implied or stylized child molestation. Yeah, it's really fucking gross. And, like, the whole movie, like, starts with a quote, as the twig is bent, so grows the tree. So it's like, we're gonna, you know, very art house explain why he has to drink blood from a glass straw. The mosquito out of these (laughs) corpses. The mosquito. (laughs) The mosquito. Um, Yeah, there's, so uh, another thing that you pointed out, this movie is, like, mostly scooter-based. Yeah, it's just him riding around town. And also, where the fuck is HR? Because his co-workers <laughs> harass the mother-loving shit out of this guy. And yeah. even I am like, listen, he may be drinking the blood and decapitating grandma in the funeral home, <laughs> but no one deserves to have a blow-up doll left in their office desk when they're an accountant. He's no, this... just trying to run his... This is pre-Excel. He's uh-huh. trying to just run his spreadsheets with his... Uh, mechanical calculator and they're just fucking with him non-stop yeah it is outrageous like it, it, it's listen and he might be the Nurem- he, he might be the nuremberg vampire basically but they don't know that they're just being dicks yeah they're just assholes so i mean it's fine it's not really mm-hmm. um it is a movie that if you are the like most hardened of ghouls um, check out, and as per all Mondo Macabro Blu-rays, it has the Mondo Macabro um, trailer reel, and oh, yeah. it's um, it's I, I I did not realize until I've watched several of these in a row. They tailor them to the movie you just got. Oh no shit! So they're like, "Hey, you like this weird shit? Look at this weirder shit we have." <laughs> you there? You like weird shit? Look at this other weird shit. And then they just like Ronda Macabro is so good. <laughs> rolling out the weird shit wagon. Um, the, yeah. N- now another thing that I love about uh, the movie Bloodlust, the blood in this is is like the sort of bright orange seventies blood. It is to like, the point where. On the cover of the of the on the cover of the Blu-ray, he's Mosquito drinking out of a corpse, and it looks like he's has a like red plastic straw. No, that's glass. Yeah, it's a glass straw. It's glass, and 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 the Mosquito is just, well, and and also I feel like you can figure out uh, what decade a horror movie is in by what the blood looks like because yeah, seventies blood, sort of like f- bright orange. 
um 80s blood i think was sort of like fire engine red and then at a certain point like right now in movies i feel like blood is almost black when it's when it's on well it's mostly cgi it's easier to do cg blood than it is to do um squibs yeah so a lot of times you're seeing unless it's like a, a throwback film a lot of times it's like just put it in post yeah and honestly i feel like cg blood kind of looks like shit well, it yes, but also like shows like The Walking Dead do it well enough that they get away with it. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, that's the last time I've said The Walking Dead did something well in a <laughs> really long time. But I, it is pretty cool the way they do that. I'm pretty pleased that we have never ranked an episode of The Walking Dead on this podcast. Um, the only one we we should rank is the. Season one episode where Rick Grimes falls in with the um, L.A. street gang. In, oh, yeah. In, in Atlanta for no good reason. <laughs> for no apparent reason, which I, I feel like was... Did they actually film that in Atlanta? They filmed it in Atlanta. The episode is called, like, Homies or something like that. It's very Jesus. clear, like, episode three of this series, we don't really know what we're going to be doing here. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, uh, it makes me think of the fact that apparently Zombieland, the movie, which I feel like we don't talk about that movie a whole lot. And I don't no, know why... it's kind of, it's kind of, I think we all got it out of our system. Yeah, that's honestly very mid-2000s is the movie Zombieland. And it's honestly a pretty good movie. Yeah, it is. Like, you've got fucking Woody Harrelson in the mix, Bill Murray cameo. You've got, like, I don't know. Like, uh, apparently, Zombieland was initially meant to be a TV show. Um, that was going to be a weekly thing where it's just sort of like, you know, like zombie kill of the week, you know, which which they sort of do in Zombieland, where they sort of do, like, highly stylized, like, you know, if you're, if you're a survivor, you're sort of entertaining yourself by, you know, having competitions to see who can pull off the, the wildest uh, zombie kill. Um, and yeah, that movie, I feel like that movie might have my favorite uh, use of product placement in a movie with the Twinkie. Oh, for sure. It's, it's so good. It's great. So back to Bloodlust, um, that's, it's pretty much it. I think the, the most interesting thing about this um, is that it came out in 77, and I believe the Nuremberg vampire was arrested, like, the year before. So it is that, oh. like, total exploitative, ripped-from-the-headlines kind of movie. Man, how do, how do we feel about when they do that with true crime stuff? Ah, uh, so I, I I just finished watching the act, and mm-hmm. uh, buddy, it is amazing. Yeah, you were telling me about it. Like, what's so? Wait, what is the act? So it is the new Hulu true crime TV show about um, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Oh yeah, with like Patricia Arquette is in the the lead role as the uh, the mom who has the most intense case of Munchausen anyone has ever had. Yeah, yeah, and like. Um, not only have I been watching the show, I've been reading because Gypsy Rose Blanchard, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, and um, the boyfriend that she got—I can't remember his name off the top of my head—because um, the they're the still who a, he's a werewolf. Well, yeah, um, the guy who actually did masturbate in a McDonald's for nine hours, <laughs> which. A great American hero. Nine hours masturbating in a McDonald's, by the way. Well, I mean, you get free refills, so you can keep <laughs> yourself hydrated. 
That's an excellent point. If you free think Wi-Fi is free Wi-Fi, right? Yeah, listen, that's that's just a good deal. You have to admit. So it, so the act, like I honestly, having learned about the 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 details of that case, I feel like the show. I haven't watched it because I'm like, I don't. That sounds intense. It's very intense. It is not a. Hulu has really uh, put themselves on the cusp of. I don't like watching these shows, but I. I feel compelled to watch them it's like the handmaid's tale for me exactly like, exactly yeah, yeah it's a hard watch but also like yeah we, like we can all Necessary, agree it's good but yeah. <laughs> absolutely um so but so with the act like i don't know like with with doing true crime stuff uh as uh an adaptation i think it makes me realize how much i appreciate the movie zodiac yeah um, because so much of that movie like it's not exploitative like uh you know, if you if you it makes me think of Trent Reznor, right? Like he recorded uh, the the album The Downward Spiral and a bunch of other stuff at the Sharon Tate Murder House. Um, and because you know if you like you know if you're an edge lord pop industrial musician and you're you know making albums, like sure you're like yeah this is where the the, the Sharon Tate Manson murders happened. Uh, and then he met Sharon Tate's sister, and it was like oh wait no these were real people who died <laughs> like these. This mattered. Like this is uh, this isn't just like a fun, cool thing. These were real people's lives, and this is not just like a piece of pop culture ephemera. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that if I'm being generous, Bloodlust is trying to understand why someone would be motivated to do this. Mm-hmm. It does it very ham-fistedly. Because it just focuses on, well, he collected dolls, and, you know, he lusted after his neighbor, and he was traumatized as a child and abused severely. But it doesn't quite get to anything. So, like, the the act is, is really good, and it really develop, de- delves into motivation and understanding, and you feel some kind of way when you're done watching it. This yeah. is just kind of like, we got to make a cheap buck on this while we can. Well, that's honestly how I feel about so many <clears throat> bullshit straight-to-video true crime things like Dahmer or Gein. Yeah, where, yeah. You know, yeah, which fucking Jeremy Renner is Jeffrey Dahmer. Keep it. Um, but I, I, there are so many of those adaptations that you can tell are, like, kind of rolling around in it a little. Like, I don't need to... Like, these were real fucking people who died. Can we not get fucking Kane Hodder to play Ed Gein. Speaking of that, what is a more... What makes you feel grosser? 1971's The Zodiac Killer, which was made to capture the Zodiac Killer? Uh-huh. Or 1977's Bloodlust? Ooh. Alright, see, I... I which I is made like... to capture your money. <laughs> to, yeah, purely to do that. I sort of love that they made a movie called The Zodiac Killer in 1971 purely to try and catch The Zodiac Killer. Because they were like, his vanity is so much that he's going to want to correct the um, the details of the case. Or like, he's going to show up to a showing of the Zodiac Killer. I kind of love that as a piece of trivia about like the attempt to catch the Zodiac Killer. Which, I love that the Zodiac Killer was a, a, a genius purely because he managed not to trip over his own dick. As so many serial <laughs> killers have done. The bar is low. The bar it's, is very, very low. It's so low. All right, so my question for you. Uh, which which do you like more? The Bye Bye Man at number 320 or uh, this movie? 
this movie because a, a man that calls himself the Mosquito drinks blood out of a glass <laughs> straw. <laughs> that is true. Uh, it, at, at the very least, you get um, in Bloodlust, you get a guy called the Mosquito, like doing some bullshit. Where with the Bye Bye Man, you kind of never get to see him pull a Bye Bye Man on anyone. No, you're literally not supposed to. <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah. think it. Don't say. Don't it. think it. Don't say it. All right. Which do you? All right. Which is which is worse, Mandy or which? Also, I think we're gonna. I think we catch a lot of heat for not for having the movie Mandy at three hundred and thirteen, but that movie sucks. So whatever. Um. So Bloodlust or Mandy. So two slots above Mandy is Killer Nun. Mm-hmm. And which I also believe is true crime. This is this and Killer Nun are like two sides of the same coin. It's that grimy European, like faux art house exploitation. Yeah, agree. And I don't know which do you like better. I feel like I'm going with Killer Nun over Bloodlust. But but like a hair's edge. Like yeah, I'd say by, Bloodlust goes right below. Because it's definitely better than Two-Headed Shark Attack. Oh, definitely better than Two-Headed Shark Attack featuring the dead eyes of Brooke Hogan. Um, so actually, I feel pretty good putting uh, Bloodlust from 1977 uh, above Two-Headed Shark Attack and below Killer Nun at number 312. And once again, uh, Mondo Macabre, thank you guys for uh, giving us that Blu-ray. Um, it's... I. It's, I think it's one of my favorite parts of this podcast is sort of getting uh, b- being able to watch stuff that otherwise we would never be able to watch. Yeah, and and the the tireless effort of ghouls like those who are digging up these weird movies. You know, yeah. in this like age of all of this content, it's it's humbling to realize. Oh no, there's still tons that we haven't seen yet. <laughs> Way too much content. And also, uh, speaking of uh, content, uh, our sponsor, uh, Midnight Pulp, um, or one of our sponsors. Uh, so let's, holy shit. All right. All right. All right. All right. So the, 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 the other movie we're doing for this week uh, is Necromantic, which is. Man. Consider- <laughs> oh, Hachi, Hachi Machi. I tell you what, this movie, it is, it is, a, it is a hard fucking watch, is Necromantic. Um, I will admit I wussed out and I quit watching it. I don't blame you. I do not blame you for wussing out of Necromat. And the reason I blame the Wendy's I was eating while watching it. Oh, no. <laughs> more than the film itself. But just, you know, <laughs> those Wendy's chicken nuggets while watching that car accident cleanup crew just kind of like turned to ash in my mouth. <laughs> that is incredible. You tried eating Wendy's while watching Necromantic? You know, sometimes you're a dad on the go and you have to eat on your lunch break, which is another reason why uh, Midnight Pulp is such a great streaming service, because their phone app is very uh, user friendly and you can (laughs) watch Necromantic while eating Wendy. Well, now, and Necromantic, this is a movie that I watched. um, We were out in Yosemite uh, uh, at this thing called the Dick Retreat. The Dick Retreat actually has nothing to do with wieners. It's um, this cabin, which uh, this was last week when it was, uh, when you recorded that episode with non-playable Kyle. Uh, The Dick Retreat, there is a, it's a cabin in Yosemite, and across the way there's a guy called Dick, who is approximately 9,000 years old, and he is a character like he this is the guy who will tell you not to answer the door after dark 
and also is very concerned about the women folk. Like, if he's if you're a woman camping in Yosemite, he will be like, uh, can I speak to your husband? And he's just like, I picture him as looking like an animatronic old man. Like, Westworld. Like, he's Michael Wincott in Westworld. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> we're, we're at this cabin, and I'm watching the movie Necromantic. Let me tell you, I watched the whole goddamn thing, but I watched it angling my computer screen away from any of the other people at this retreat um, because this movie is a hard fucking watch. It's considered, is this a video nasty or is this just sort of faces of death levels of like, this is just an exploitation movie that's really hard to watch. It's like one of those famous like true ghoul movies. Like, yeah necromantic is one of those movies that your jerk friend says like hey you want to watch you know the same person yeah. that's like hey you want to watch visitor q is like hey let's watch necromantic <laughs> and you're like no dude what's yeah not? yeah this is rolling up to a party with a serbian film or tetsu of the iron man although i would feel like tetsu of the iron man is like slightly actually more like i really like tetsuo because it yeah. does really cool things. So anyway, so Necromantic, as you might have guessed from being alive and knowing what words mean, this is a movie about fucking a corpse. Um, it's So there's a guy, the, the main character of the movie, he works for the road, uh, the, the road commission. And his job, like the movie opens with uh, a lot of piss, just right off, right out of the gate. So of the gate. much pissing. Why? Oh, and, and, and like there's a disclaimer that's like, this movie is not tasteful. And it's like, we yeah. get it. You want to be transgressive. I'm just so... Yeah, I'm so tired. Tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it opens with, there's this couple, and they're on a road trip, and the lady's like, hold on, I gotta piss. And then you watch someone piss, and you're like, great, I'm 32. And she gets back in the car, and there's a car wreck, and then um, it's the road uh, guys cleaning up the, the corpses. And then they go, hold car. on, I've got to piss, and they show them piss. Yeah, and then we got to watch these other dudes piss. And uh, so the main character, whose name I forget, and it does not matter in the slightest, um, sort of collects the body where um, it's the, the guy who died, and he's like, oh, great. It's a corpse, and I'm into fucking corpses, and so is my terrible girlfriend, and I'm going to bring this corpse home so that my girlfriend and I can, can both fuck this corpse. Now, they bring the corpse home, and what, what follows is a sex scene with, like, sort of uh, two girls, one cup, sort of soft piano music. Um, I, I can't even believe the, the thing I'm about to say. The soundtrack from Necromantic? Kind of nice. <laughs> like it's just sort of soft piano music and it's like soothing um now there is one bit in this that kills me and it's so fucking funny and i don't know why so they have the corpse and obviously as as you might know um corpses cannot get boners uh and so in order to fuck this corpse they sort of um they saw off a chair leg and um place it in the corpse's wiener cavity and the bit that kills me is that the lady takes a condom, puts it over the chair leg, and pinches the reservoir tip <laughs> while placing it. It's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen, and I don't know why, but like, and it's such a throwaway moment. But I, I, I my question is, I don't know if the director was actually going, you know, it'd be really funny is if you pinched the reservoir tip of the condom while placing it over the chair leg wiener, or if the actor was like, well, look, I'm, I'm rolling a condom down this chair leg. I got to pinch the tip to make room yeah you for... gotta do it right if you're gonna yeah. do it listen this is there's an aids epidemic on 
Um, and so basically, so this movie is a shock movie, and it's sort of like uh, meant to be like, what if we did a love scene that was shot in slow motion and had lots of sort of like Skinamax-esque Vaseline lenses and... Um, it's it's a very bad movie. Like it's sure it's shocking and there's like uh, necrophilia, but so basically the the plot is that this happens and then uh, the guy gets fired from the road commission, which this guy also gets constantly bullied by his coworkers. So it's a good movie for um, bullying the socially terrible among us. <laughs> Between this and uh, the mosquito, um. But so he loses his job at the road commission and then he comes back home and he's like, sorry, I can't supply any more corpses. And um, his girlfriend sort of elopes with the corpse. So she leaves this guy for the corpse he brought home. And then he murders a cat by putting it in a bag and hitting it against a wall. And then he um, sort of put hangs the cat above his bath on like a drying rack and it's He's just surrounded by dead things. Now, a bunch of really stupid bullshit happens. The important thing is that the... And I hate I hate myself for using this joke. The climax of this movie is that <laughs> the, the, the main character uh, orgasms while jerking off and stabbing himself. So he's like, sort of, he's got a giant trauma-esque, like, prosthetic ween that is sort of squirting fake jizz out and then also blood because he's stabbing himself at the same time that he's dying. And I get that it's trying to do this sort of like, wow, what if a guy dies? Like, what if dying is the ultimate orgasm? I'm so tired. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then he I dies. just hate everything. Yeah, the really hard... All right, so the really hard part of this movie to watch for me was not the necrophilia, and I can't even believe... This is our life, Quincy. This is our life, and this is the life we've chosen for ourselves. Um, the hard part of this movie to watch is not the necrophilia scenes. It's the, like, shoot footage of a rabbit breeder killing a rabbit, just, like, bashing its brains out and skinning it. Yeah, that's so unnecessary. (laughs) It's so fucking extra. Like, so that gets shown earlier on in the movie intercut with stuff as though it has any relevance, but really it's just, um, the director being a fucking edgelord. Um, you get that, but then during, uh, over the scene where the main character is stabbing himself and jizzing, uh, they show it in reverse. So it's the rabbit getting its skin put back on and then brought back to life while the guy is killing himself and jerking off. And, you know, it's the, the one thing I will say for this movie is that it is only an hour and 10 minutes of, of your life. So it's mercifully can... short, even mercifully... if you don't tap out yeah. like I did. Oh, and you tapping out was the most reasonable thing you could have done. Um, I have yeah. to say the gore effects are very good. Very good. Actually, the gore effects in this, um, the the body that they scrape off the, the side of the road, like the gore effects are very, very good. And I appreciate that it's trying to do like we're going to make a transgressive movie about necrophilia. Apparently John Waters really likes this movie, but I mean it's John Waters, so he likes anything that's just transgressive for the sake of being transgressive. Um good soundtrack, good gore effects. Uh no real plot to speak of, which is fine. Um but I feel like that sex scene with the corpse goes on way too long. So Ryan, what is a better movie? Sleepaway Camp or Necromantic? So what we're asking here is which which is more bearable? 
the transphobia at the end of Sleepaway Camp or the full-on necrophilia uh, scene and uh, shoot uh, footage of a rabbit being murdered. Um, yeah. I feel like Sleepaway Camp, at least a lot of it is watchable in yeah. a way that necromantic, like, I... Sleepaway Camp, I would never watch again because of the transphobia. This, I would never watch again because I'm just bored of the transgressive footage shown in it. Okay, so if you had to watch one of these again, would you watch 2017's Gremlin or Necromantic? <laughs> Gremlin. I would definitely watch Gremlin again. I would actually, I, I know what it is. So Luna de Miel is a nonstop rape scene for the entirety of its runtime. Yeah. Um, I would put that actually, I, I would put Necromantic below Luna de Miel, but above Hellraiser Revelations for at least doing something interesting on a narrative level because it's trying to shoot a necrophilia scene the way you would shoot a love scene with slow uh, piano and uh, sort of lingering camera work. So at least it's trying to do that. And also I like that Necromantic is sort of a staple of, again, like you said, like your, your fucking shitty goblin friend who's like, hey, you want to watch Necromantic? So. Yeah, like, you know, what would t-shirts be without people wearing necromantic t-shirts? Absolutely right. So yeah, so I actually feel pretty good about putting that above Hellraiser Revelations and below Luna de Miel at number 384 for necromantic. Oh, man. So if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we are on a ton of places on the internet. We are on Twitter at Reichenvalcast. If you want to shoot us an email um, or send us a listener request, hit us up at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. We have a Tumblr, rankandvile.tumblr.com. We have an Instagram, rankandvile. We have a YouTube uh, channel, rankandvilecast. Um, what else we got, Ryan? Fucking, we got Letterboxd. We got Rankandvile uh, on Letterboxd. We, we are, yeah, we're on Stitcher. We are on Last.fm. Um, yeah, we're pretty much everywhere you want a podcast. If you have a request... I know we weren't able to get to any on this episode, um, but we frequently do listen to requests. If there is a movie that you are either a terrible person and you want us to have watched, like Necromantic, or it's a movie that you legitimately love, uh, like Poltergeist 2, which we should totally do Poltergeist 2 at some point, uh, you're going to want to send that to our email address at rankandvilecast, or uh, put it in our ask box on Tumblr. If you are a filmmaker who has a movie that you want us to watch and talk about, and then rank on our list, uh, also send that to uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, barring that, I think that's about all I got. You got anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks.